So before I start, I, uh, I just wanted to say what a privilege it is to be able to preach to you all because it really forces me to, to read and engage these texts in a new way. And the Lord just reveals to me so much of his beauty and how he desires to love all of us. And so just want to extend uh, an invitation and encouragement to spend time you know, prayerfully with the Lord's word uh, because it's, it's a living word. And maybe you've tried before, maybe you have you know, engaged the text, you're like, I'm not getting anything out of this. But he's still doing his work in your heart, uh, even if you don't recognize it. And how do I know this? Uh, first, because the Bible tells me so. Like my, you know, he says that the, the word of God accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent, right? And that it is a living and effective word. The second reason is because half of my homilies get written at two in the morning, uh, when I'm least expecting it, the Lord will just wake me up and I just know that he's, he's been working. And I guess I'm exaggerating a little bit because maybe it's not half, the other half come at four in the morning. So <laughs> I come in four morning. But anyway, the, the gospel we hear today picks up after last week's in which uh, the Pharisees questioned Jesus about the temple tax. And what is conspicuously missing between these two weeks is that the Sadducees had just taken a run at him as well. So here we are, the Pharisees, back in the seat. They had rehuddled, and they're like, you know what? We're going to try and stump Jesus again, because they, they haven't had enough. And so they ask him, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? So for the Jewish people, they had 613 laws, and the Pharisees had developed innumerably more on top of this. So Christ, with cutting clarity, sums up the whole basis of the law in one word, love. And I just think about like, how often do we test God? How often do we protest against his law? How often do we question his motives or make himself prove himself to us? Are you really that good? Are you really that merciful? Do I really have to live my life in this way? Like, why do we as humans find it so difficult to believe what God says? To believe the message that he desperately desires to give us and which we desperately desire to hear. I love you. I desire you with my whole being. And I thirst for your love. I want you to love me with your whole heart, soul, and mind for I am the one in whom all delight, all bliss, and all happiness is found. I am your greatest good and I desire your good. Please accept and share my love. Somehow though, we convince ourselves that God's self-revelation of love in his son is, is too good to be true, that it's all a lie. We need instead of listening to God, allow the devil and the world to shape our perception of him. But Jesus today challenges us in the gospel to reevaluate what we think we know to be true. The question he gives us to ponder is, are you willing to have your worldview challenged? Are you willing to allow God to give you his perspective and implant his law in your heart so that you can love him with your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole soul? Or do we approach God the way that the Sadducees and Pharisees did? 
Do we try to throw up objections to his ways and his commands because we desire to have our understanding and our wills affirmed? Because contrary to popular belief, uh, it's not that God is stubborn and doesn't want to hear us out. It's not that he's mean or vindictive and wants to manipulate or control us. God desires our genuine good, which we can't see for ourselves sometimes. He weighs everything in the balance of our salvation, and he sent his son to lead us there. But this requires a change in perspective. This requires challenging our current way of thinking and living. God is always engaging us in dialogue and trying to share his perspective with us to teach us, care for us, and lead us into happiness and truth. And so he sent his son. Whereas in the Old Testament, the law was given with these terrible theophanies, just a big fancy word for manifestations of God like earthquakes and lightning and, and clouds of smoke. So whereas in the Old Testament, when the law was given, there were these terrible theophanies, when God came in the flesh, when he came to give us the new and definitive law, to personally reveal it to us. He came as a meek and gentle lamb. He came as one of us. He came as one of us to show us how to love as he loves. For the law finds its fulfillment in love. And Jesus Christ, who is love incarnate, is the fulfillment of the law. For through his crucifixion, he offered himself in perfect love and obedience to God and out of perfect love for us. For there is no greater love than this, says the Lord, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. See how he loves you? See how he loves me? That he would lay down his life for us to show us how we are to love one another. God's perspective from the cross is very different from ours. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus shows us that the law is not really about fulfilling 613 plus precepts. The law, in its proper sense, is directing us towards our highest good. It's about directing us towards that thing which, if we take the time to reflect and are honest with ourselves, we all long for the most. It directs us towards love. The law is about directing us towards the person for whom we long for the most, Jesus. Because the law finds its fulfillment in love, and that love is the heart of the Father poured out to us through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. And in a moment, you will get to approach that love of the Father. You will get to approach the second person of the Trinity, he in whom, not just the law, but everything finds its fulfillment. For everything was created through him, everything was created for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He's not gonna come with great peals of lightning and rolling thunder. He's not gonna come with earthquakes or trumpet blasts, but he will come because the Father always comes when his children call on him. Our God is so meek. He's so 
gentle, that he chose to come under the humble appearances of bread and wine. What a radical approach. But God's perspective will always be radical because love is radical. For love is always humble, love is always vulnerable, love always seeks to be at the service of the other. And that is what God reveals to us every Mass in the Eucharist. And this re-presentation of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he not only shows us the fulfillment of the law, but invites us to unite ourselves in Christ's perfect offering of love to the Father. What a great gift. What a great gift that we have that in the Eucharist, Christ continues to show us how we are to give of ourselves and a total self-gift and a total outpouring to God the Father and to one another. What a great gift that in receiving the Eucharist, God gives us the grace to fulfill the law of love. So as we approach the altar today, pray for the grace to receive the Lord's perspective and his radical gift of love. Pray for the grace uh, from the Lord to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Pray for the grace to unite your life to Christ's so that we may find the power to fill the law by loving God and one another. You can remain seated at this time.